All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast, doing this one live on our YouTube channel uh, as we are here uh, on a Thursday evening. All right, Bud, it is the Syracuse preview. As always, we'll thank our friends at Tarpon Sellers for making everything that we do on the Nolcast possible. Also, thank Matt Lewis and his team at Congruity. CongruityHR.com is the website. Matt Lewis, fantastic resource for our business, and we are very confident that he would be the same for yours. So again, congruityhr.com is the website, and always welcome to reach out to me directly if you would prefer an introduction. Awesome, man. Let's go ahead and get into this. We have a jam-packed show tonight, a little recruiting talk, a little preview, maybe a little uh, look ahead to some opponents, maybe a discussion of those opponents, uh, maybe a debate as to where FSU is in the playoff rankings and whether that is... uh, where that's justified, I'll probably get to give my cover three style rant here of how I think the playoff rankings are all just, you know, fake anyway. Notification gang, that's right. If we, we don't, we often don't tweet out the lives, which social media experts would probably tell us is not the best idea. But if you hear this and you didn't hear us live, that's because you don't have notifications on. And we like to reward those people who have that subscription on YouTube. They hit the subscribe button, they turn notifications on. Gang, gang, notification gang. Um, all right. Let's uh yeah the, the the chase to nine the 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 drive for nine uh, strive for strive for nine to, to get to nine and three what do, you, what do you think drive for nine strive for nine strive for nine that there it oh. is all right boom strive for nine uh, let's go ahead and do this thing so what do you want to go first you want to go recruiting you want to go playoff rank you want to just get into the nitty gritty preview you want to do prize picks what 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 do you want to lead off with <laughs> oh some fantastic options. Uh, let's do let's do the preview and then uh, go into everything from there. But uh, for those that are purely preview listeners, we'll reward you for continuity's sake, and we'll uh, flavor everything else in after that. Perfect. All right. So Florida State travels to play Syracuse. This game is a night game, which is pretty cool. And uh, I actually don't know what channel this will be on. So I'm sure if you guys have TV Guide, you can look it up. It's it's. It's not the national ABC game, is it? It's not ACC Network, right? It's it's probably ESPN or or the Deuce. Uh, I thought it was ACC Network. Uh, maybe I'm. Oh, wrong. it is ACC Network. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that. That's kind of hardly. I mean, I, I know that, I know that that both schools are out of the the conference race just by by math. But what are they putting on on in, in, instead? I'll. Hmm. I I was more excited about about this one, I guess, than than TV executives were, but. Uh, yeah. All right. So we're going to get, uh, let's go over our, our most favorite ACC network advertisers, which by the way, I saw a new one last night watching the Mac. Uh, did you see, they have the Swan pillow. Have you seen this? <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, yeah. Like Mac, Mac, Maction legitimately had a worse ad than, than anything I've ever seen on the ACC network. It's like a pillow that swallows you up and it kind of like wraps around you. By the way, uh, Asa Crusoe apparently last week in chat called 45 to three. So uh, it is really hard to nail a correct score. We've done this for a long time. Like to actually just try it yourself. Like just keep track every week. It's uh, it's pretty tough. So um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm interested to see what we're going to have. Maybe the tactical shaver or tactical glasses. You got to be very tactical when when you watch and and do ACC network stuff. So, um, yeah. All right. Let's get into this. 
Syracuse is a team that I think in the power ratings right now is a little bit high. Like FPI and SP Plus are going to have them somewhere in the top 50, I think. Maybe top six, like top 55-ish. They have played well at times this year. But, you know, for me, I think that there are some issues here with the Syracuse team. And there's a reason that Florida State is a touchdown favorite on the road in a conference ballgame. And that's not something you see all that often, although it worked out really well for you last week, right? Um, Syracuse does a couple things well, and I think we should start probably just with their offense. So Garrett Schrader is a guy that I was down on coming into the year. I did not think he was much of a quarterback for those dudes, and ultimately, it turns out I was wrong. I I think that they managed to make him into a bit of a quarterback uh, because of their coaching. They went and took – sorry, I'm trying to – TV's making weird, weird lights – Syracuse took Virginia's coaching staff on offense, right? And you've seen the impact of that in two places. You've seen it in Syracuse, and you've also seen it uh, in Virginia. Virginia this year is a disaster on offense, and Syracuse has quickly managed to run a pretty fun, interesting scheme. They'll use motion. They'll line up guys all over the place, right? They they will throw it around. They do have a good back, by the way, in Sean Tucker, who we should mention, uh, entering the year. He was probably the ACC's best back. And when he's healthy, I think you can probably argue that he still is the ACC's best back. Uh, Avaconda for Pitt and Shipley for Clemson. Just in terms of like production and volume being the other two, I would think. Although the, the kid for UNC I saw last week play Virginia is pretty nice. Uh, Tucker's pretty damn hard to stop. And their offensive line this year is one that I was down on entering the year because of their lack of depth. However, I will say they have stayed almost completely healthy this season. I mean, literally, uh, that was something that had to happen for Syracuse. They could not afford injuries up front on the offensive line. And so they didn't get them. That's just, that's fantastic for those dudes. They can block it up a little bit. uh, But recently, Schrader has been hurt. And he did not play against Pitt. He got hurt in the Notre Dame game. I don't know if he actually had an existing injury, man, coming in. The announcers in that game speculated that it was a concussion by the way he was stumbling around. However, I actually think I've narrowed it down watching the coaching tape to the play where he gets rolled on. I think it's an ankle. I think the reason he was stumbling is because it's some kind of ankle or foot thing. Um, He did warm up last week a little bit, I believe, and so – I think he's probably going to play if I had to guess. I, I don't think like if he's if he's out for that long, I doubt you have him warm up against Pitt. You're not gaining a, a big tactical advantage by confusing Pitt for 30 minutes in warm-ups, right? Just to have him not do anything. So this is just I guess what I'm trying to say here. This is not the kind of offense that scares you like the one they were running early in the season because Schrader's banged up, because his legs are part of the equation, because Tucker, to me, actually has looked banged up since the FCS game. I think it's, it's undoubted uh, that Tucker's carrying something. If you just look at his pure level of production and how involved or perhaps he hasn't been over the past two weeks, and that is that, as Bud was saying, is maybe the league's best back and enter in the year was maybe the league's best offensive player in some people's eyes. You don't just go away from that kid for for unknown reasons. So, uh, in my opinion, the question here is how healthy are the first two people that we've talked about? And if they are uh, are relatively healthy, then 
I think you can have reason to expect to see a little bit of that higher end Syracuse. 100%. Uh, one guy who is not going to be back is Syracuse's best receiver. Now, Rodney Gatson Jr. Now, you guys may recall, if you're a Dolphins fan, and I know we probably have some Dolphins fans in the chat tonight, Rodney Gatson was a pretty good receiver, I think, in the NFL for some Dolphins teams that, if I recall, were just not very good. I, I think those were like the Ricky Williams teams, maybe, where they just they kind of have some promise, and you'd because I grew up in Fort Myers, they'd be on your TV, and eventually they'd, they'd lose like just some some brain dead game, and the Patriots would win the division and go on to win, you know, a couple games in the playoff. Oftentimes, a lot of games in the playoff. But Gatson is a really pretty nice player. I don't think he's hurt, but last week Pitt held him to zero catches, and part of that I think was because it was Carlos Del Rio Wilson who is the backup quarterback for Syracuse. He's been. He's been pretty bad, right? I I took Pitt last week over Syracuse. I did, like, just absolutely would, would do it again. Ingram, he is a 44% passer on the year uh, with a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio and an adjusted net yards per attempt of five. That's really not going to get it done. Okay. Um, you know that, like, I have some reservations about this defense, but if you have Garrett Trader especially if he's not able to run a whole lot because he is a good runner. I mean, he has 400 yards rushing on the season when you take out the sacks. That's pretty good. I mean, that's it's like 45 yards a game for, from you know, what, what do they played now, nine games. So, and, he, and he's missed a couple. So almost 50 yards a game rushing for Schrader. If you get Syracuse without its original top receiver, you get Tucker. I mean, he doesn't look the same to me. Part of that's probably because you can focus in on the run a little bit more with this team. I, I think this is an offense that that there's no doubt because of the scheme they run, right? Like they do find ways to get guys open. They do scheme you pretty nicely. I don't think Florida State is going to go and shut these dudes out. But I would be a little bit surprised if they put up 30 plus, right? I mean, I, I think it's it's reasonable to think that you should hold this team low 20s, high teens. Like if, if you know, if Adam Fuller's defense and, and, and crew go out and hold this team to 17, I think that's that's pretty solid. If you look at, at some of the teams that Syracuse has played recently, um, Florida State defensive line, I think, matches up fairly well. So, Cuse is also, they, they ran good at times this year, right? And I don't mean like running the ball good. I just mean they, they kind of got fortunate. So, Louisville played like crap in that game. Just, just terrible. And, and Syracuse smoked them to open the year 31-7. Then they go to UConn, and UConn was without all their skill guys in this game, I, I recall it, because we, we we took we took Syracuse and laid the points at UConn. It was an easy cover. Then Purdue comes in, and Syracuse kind of just gets pass interference three or four times on the final drive to to win the ballgame against, against Purdue. Uh, Virginia, they actually kind of laid an egg and almost lost to Virginia at home 22 to 20. I will note just for, if you're following along at home, UVA has pretty good cover corners. That's one thing this year I've noticed. Like they actually covered the Tar Heels pretty well. Wagner, whatever. NC State still has a good defense. That was the game before they realized they had MJ Morris on their roster apparently and uh they just were not able to uh you know to to do a good job um against those dudes because they're playing a glorified running back. I think at Clemson, uh, you know, that's that's one that they actually had a big lead in. But at the same time, 
they were the beneficiary of four turnovers in that ball game, right? So if you look at like the yards and stuff, the, like the adjusted scoring margin in that game is is pretty heavily in favor of of Clemson, depending on the model that you look at. Notre Dame pushed them around quite a bit on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and Notre Dame's got a good defense. They they do. They're offensively, they're just they're extremely one dimensional. So if Notre Dame gets behind, they really don't come back very well. But if they if they get up, you know, and then Pitt has a very good defense, I think, especially along the defensive line. And you can kind of throw the ball on Pitt, but without Schrader, you know, I essentially what I'm saying is this offense has not looked good in the month. And I do not think they were as good as they were in the 6-0 and start. I think you have a shot here to come out and play well. I would make Schrader throw the ball. And especially like if, if he's limited with his legs, Let's 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 see if he'll pull it. Let's let's see how well he runs it. Right. This is one of the better D lines that Syracuse will have faced. And we'll we'll see just how well they can come out and play. I do worry a little bit about some of the pick stuff they're gonna run if you play as much man as this defense likes to likes to play. This is always a bit of a concern that we have, I think, this year, right? Just I mean, can you switch it up? Can you play some more zone? I think we'll point to the greedy vance game or greedy vance play from this last game. They were they were in zone. And they confused Jake Garcia into throwing a, you know, a horrendous, uh, horrendous pick. Can you mix and match enough? Can you confuse Schrader? He will throw you. He'll throw you some picks. Like last year, he he would throw you a lot. This year, you know, I mean, he's thrown five. Most of those have come, I think, in more recent games. I, I don't know. Like I'm sure there's some ways to. I'm sure there's some ways to like simulate this to where Syracuse scores like 30 something, you know, like, but not if you do your job, I think for the most part, like this, this should be one where the defense does a nice job for you. Um, And I think they may have to, because I do still have a pretty good amount of respect for Syracuse's defense, although a little bit less than I did in the preseason. Yep. Or Uh, midway through. You mentioned that they've been, the beneficiary of some decent health on the offensive line. Uh, defensive line has wavered a little bit here recently and has resulted in some, uh, you know, some a couple games. The Notre Dame one in particular, where as somebody who had some couple different prize picks uh, on Notre Dame's offense that day, just sat there and watched Notre Dame run the ball successively for the better part of two quarters straight against him. Um, but before we get fully over to that side of uh, the game in our preview, we will thank our friends at the legendary team of Shannon and Chad. We've been working with them for four years now, and uh, there are no bigger proponents of Florida State Athletics and getting involved in every way possible in uh, supporting it. And their first entry into that was uh, supporting the Nolcast, and those guys have gone on to support other media and, and now have a great relationship with Rising Spear as well. So. Fantastic uh, partners for the Nolcast. Shannon is the absolute gold standard when it comes to going through that process, as Bud can attest to twice. As I recently uh, was following up on an email, Bud, from, I don't know, eight months ago, six months ago, and um, found out that that was your sister, actually. So as you've referenced, not just yourself, other members of your family, it's uh, truly everybody chooses to work for Shannon and we're ever so fortunate to be able to sing his praises. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the Syracuse defense. This is a this is a quality defense in terms of of, of how it's coached. 
they run that 3-3 stack that uh, NC State runs that you'll see uh, what's his name at, at New Mexico run. It, it, like there's, there's some Rocky Long stuff in this. They, they do a nice job teaching this, man. And, and they really, they, they strive to do a couple things well, right? Syracuse does not want to give up the big play. They are really, really good at denying the explosives. In fact, here's some of their explosive ratings. Marginal explosiveness allowed, sixth in the country. Explosive play rate, fourth in the country. ISO PPP, which is a, a Connolly stat, fourth in the country. Are we picking up a trend here? Syracuse does not allow explosive plays. They are betting that you are going to be lacking in patience, that you'll make a mistake, that you will get a holding penalty or a tackle for loss, and they'll get you off schedule, and then they'll win. Now, look, in the red zone, they also do a tremendous job. Like, they've played pretty good red zone defense, too, which is what you have to pair this with. You cannot just play bend but don't break, deny explosives, and then collapse in the red zone. We've actually seen that somewhat in Tallahassee at times this year, although credit to them for the last two games, to the extent you could take that away from there, of being better in the last two games. However, they have had some significant guys go down here on this defense, and I do think it's a bit of a different defense, man. Uh, Garrett Williams is one of the absolute best corners in the in the ACC, and it's a different defense when they don't have him in there. He's not coming back. He tore his ACL. He's, he's out for the year. He... Uh, he was really nasty last year. I think he was pretty damn good this year. Now, they still have other good DBs on this team. Like, this is not a team that FSU will probably just moss the whole time. But I do think that's that's a significant deal right there. The number one question I have in this game for you is how focused will FSU be, right? Because I, I, I do have confidence in Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins to come up with a game plan that will minimize some of the stuff Cuse wants to do up front. And what Cuse wants to do is cause confusion. They, they want to run that through three stuff. They have a lot of really undersized guys on the defensive line, although not as not as many as they used to have, right? Now they're kind of a little thinner because they've lost some dudes on the D-line. But will FSU's guys, especially up front, and your tight ends, and your receivers, and your backs, and your protections, will they be locked in? Because be, the way Syracuse denies explosive plays, you do have to be willing to sit there and just pound them. And body blow these guys. And, you know, hey, like, not overextend, because then they're going to counterpunch you and not allow those tackles for loss. I, I think this is a really important, like, Murray Smith has to come out and play well. He has to have good communication with Dylan Gibbons. He has to have good communication with Meech. This is a game that, honestly, it makes me worry a little bit little bit about Jazz, you know, if if, if he's in there. Because, like, I, I go back to what NC State did. I know Syracuse is watching that tape. Right, they're like, uh, how many times were the protections in that game just blown? We 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 covered it on this show. I was sending you clips, and uh, if Syracuse is going to get pressure, make them bring numbers to get pressure. Right, don't give up pressures because you're confused. Like, can FSU after a big rivalry win tell themselves, you know what, that was a great rivalry win? Miami also is a team that looks like a lot of their guys have quit. And don't read your own press clippings. Realize you're you're a good team. You're not a great team yet, right? A really good team goes, turns around, locks in, practices well, prepares well, plays with focus, and goes out there. And they say, hey, how many how many rushing yards did you give up the last couple of weeks? Like Pitt 
stayed committed to the run. They ran for 200-something. Clemson ran it pretty well. Notre Dame ran it extremely well. I mean, part of that was game script. They're up big, and, and you know, they, they lean on them. But Syracuse is kind of undersized. And I'm also interested here, dude, quarterback run game stuff. Now, you could tell me that NC State QB run game these guys, but I don't think they really did because that's kind of like just running triple option because you don't have to respect the passing game when it's that the one kid for NC State that FSU saw in the second half, which still can't believe they lost that game. But all right. Uh, you didn't have to use Jordan last game. Maybe this is a game that that if you struggle for a little bit, if you're slow out the, out the blocks running the ball, maybe you use Jordan's legs in this some. I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I do like that they face NC State, though. I know it gives Syracuse some tape, but they run a similar defense. You know, um, I think that's nice that three weeks ago or four weeks ago, you got to see that. And you get the guys, remember this? And you can go over your mistakes from the NC State game. Atkins can get in that room and say, look at this. This is what we missed. When they do this, you got like you got you got to alert this kind of stuff, right? Um, I don't think they'll run quite as much of their outside zone here. I think their counter stuff can work. They just may they they may have to block it a little bit differently. But I I do think you can run the ball on these guys. Well, uh, they they went vanilla last weekend, so they don't didn't have to tip their tip their hat yeah. necessarily as to what they're doing here. Yes, uh, they did. No man, I I think you let Jordan. You know, you let him run run loose. If you go in there and win this game, then season's a success. Now, obviously, you want to win against Florida, but we're talking about eight wins. We're talking about a, a thing that everybody would have jumped at at the beginning of the year and all of the uh, silly phrases that were so, so redundant, like uh, proof of concept and everything else. Everybody knows what eight wins means. We don't need to break it down. Uh, if you go up there and win this weekend, then you've done some things in 2022 and uh, you let Jordan go about and hope he's ready for UF. So hundred um, percent. Let me see questions from the chat here. How does Wilson match up against their DBs? I, I think they were going to put Gary Williams on him if, if healthy. So I uh, assuming we're talking about Johnny Wilson here. I mean, I think that he's a nice matchup for them this weekend. You got a lot of guys who are emerging and you have a team here that is playing with confidence, right? Uh, which, which is encouraging. You need to make sure that they play with confidence, but also with focus after some plays don't go your way. It's a road game. We could talk about how tough an environment it is. Maybe it is. I, I, it's senior night. Like, you know, these, these guys will be playing hard. It, it's still the, the logo on the helmet. Um, but I do think you, you're a healthier team than, than, than Syracuse is. You, you took your health lumps. We called that month October. And now they seem to be getting a little bit healthier, and this is, this is solid. Yeah, I, I think Treshawn Ward is, is – Definitely close to playing. Um, you know, Benson had a really nice game last week. Toe Philly continues to be a nice guy in the pass catching game. A um, couple other names to know here. So, like Michael Jones for Syracuse is a tackling machine. Assuming he, assuming he's in, I know he got dinged a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to throw the ball to, to Toe Philly. Still, they've been doing that pretty nicely. Uh, but the main thing here is just going to be avoiding the confusion, avoiding the, the 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 penetration, and you know if you can get them out of their stacks, tremendous, right? Like that's kind of the goal. I what do you think the race is to twenty seven? Like if I give you twenty seven, you're taking it. Okay, 30. thirty certainly. Yeah. I mean maybe I don't think you see Ward for what it's worth. I think Hill. Uh, you continue to work him in a little bit, and you maybe 
try to wait one more uh, week before you start bouncing uh, Ward off carpet. Um, so not a bad idea. Yeah, my personal opinion. Uh, let's see, getting some questions about Jared versus draft stock. Uh, well, historically, he has uh, preferred this venue, so I think that's the the reference that Josh was making there. This was his coming out party last year. Oh yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, run, 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 play action all day. I yeah, I, I I do think this is a decent decent opportunity for some max protect play action type stuff. You know, where where you're keeping guys in, you're making sure you get it protected, and then then you can run down the field. And uh, if you give me twenty seven. I feel pretty good. I like your number even better. If you give me, th- if you if you get thirty, uh, you better be coming you, home with and you, and, and you lose. We're gonna yeah. have a pissed off instant reaction yeah. podcast. Yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot I mean, of a lot scored, of questions asked. Uh, what do they score here? They scored uh, twenty one at Clemson with a with a pick six, right? Like a hundred yard pick six. So they scored fourteen offensive points there. Yeah. True. Scored 20, 24 against Notre Dame, and that was like a good bit of garbage time. Nine against Pitt, nine against NC State, 22 against Virginia. Yeah. Oh, my, I just – let me see how healthy 34 is. My, I have I have concerns. That's where a big number comes from. If uh, quarterback or the running back's not – they're better in than – no, I don't – you know, that number's probably, probably 24, uh, if that even, so – I think that's fair. There's as, as non-committal responses I can give you, but um, let me see. Anything else we need to know about Syracuse just from their numbers? Oh, here's one thing. Don't get annoyed on Saturday if their kicker is just hitting ridiculous field goals. Oh, another one of those? No, no, no. One of those like, guys, it has been a, a couple weeks since we seen. He won the Groza last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's a he's a Groza finalist again. Like he he's legitimately great, very great. good. Yeah, uh, he's. He's 10 of 10 on sub 40 and five of seven for 50 plus. Hmm. So uh, like Syracuse will kick the ball and they will do a pretty good job. However, their punting this year is terrible. So it's kind of a trade-off. They're 125th in punt in, in net punting. That's not great, right? Uh, kicking good, punting bad, everything else special teams wise kind of just middling at, you know, just average ish, but yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if, if the kid hits a field goal, it's nice to kick in a dome. Obviously everybody hits the ball pretty good in a simulator. Um, but you know, what else do we have here? Um, that might be kind of it, man. Like a couple things. If you guys, I, some of y'all, y- y'all like chat could tell us, but you guys want to hear some stats. Cause we, we have some stats for you. Uh, th- these are pretty striking. Just, I, I know we don't, we don't love reading the stats off on every single like, you know, tab, but I think you guys might enjoy some of these rushing success rate, 115th in the country. Defense wise passing success rate, 46 defense. So pretty huge split there. All right. Rushing explosiveness, 13th passing explosiveness allowed 21st stuff rate on defense. This is actually pretty interesting because when remember I told you like the best thing Syracuse does, they don't get the big play. This is one thing Florida State has to have a trend that continues. They cannot allow this this to be the outlier game. Syracuse is 123rd in defensive stuff rate. But offenses are pretty heavily penalized against them. So when I said like they'll either get a tackle for loss or you'll get a penalty, 
it seems like they're good at drawing offensive penalties against you, but not very good at stuffing your run or getting tackles for loss in the backfield. Just something to think about. My guess is that's guys out of position and confused and having to grab. Um, completion rate, they will allow you to complete a lot of balls, 63% underneath. Obviously, we already went over the whole you know, explosive stuff. Uh, what else here? Offensive line. Um, Schrader seems to hold the ball a lot. I will say mm-hmm. this, right? I mean, they are, they're only 47th in pressure rate allowed, but they are 122nd in sack rate allowed. So what that tells me is that Schrader has not done a very good job of escaping pressure and he holds on to the ball for quite a long time. So you should be able to get some actual sacks in this game. They also do not seem to be blitzed all that much, which I probably wouldn't either. Uh, just see if this offensive line can hold up. I mean, you you have Verse, you have Pat Payton playing well. You got McClendon. I think you have some quality linebackers. You should go get this game. This is this is definitely one I like. Should uh, we use this opportunity to go to Prize Picks here? Take a look at what the let's do our Prize Picks. Thank our yeah, friends as always, professional podcaster Ingram Smith. <clears throat> Absolutely, best college sports podcast in the world. Uh, as though that is a global award. Nonetheless. Always good to get. Um, all right, man. So real quickly, we've got Jordan Travis at 235 passing yards, uh, 235 and a half, 19.5 completions, 18 and a half fantasy. Johnny Wilson, 58 and a half receiving yards, 10 and a half fantasy. Mr. Pittman, 35 and a half receiving yards. Um, all right. So I'm going to look these up one more time because I was noticing a trend earlier that I think we'll see continue. I think you need to play over on completions if you think it's like somewhat of a close game. I would play uh, like I would play Johnny Wilson over fantasy points before I would play Johnny Wilson over yards, personally, mm-hmm. because I feel like like let, let's go back to that stat and here's how we we can use some of this stuff. I know that Johnny Wilson is not a high like a high target volume guy typically. But one touchdown to Johnny Wilson almost certainly gets you there because the touchdown six, the catch is seven, and then whatever the yardage is, right? Like if you, if you give me – if he gets 30 yard, uh, two catches in 20 yards and a touchdown, he's basically there. Uh, Syracuse, again, passing completion rate against, 63%. They give up a lot of, a lot of passes. They do not give up a boatload of explosive plays. So um, – that's how I would look to play that. Jordan Travis, 235. What, what if Florida State comes out and runs for 260? Jordan's not hitting 235 through the air if, if they do that, most likely. I mean, he could, but like what a lot of this is going to be games like game script dependent, which is a very like DFS fantasy term. But how does how does the game script out? If you get down, then I think Jordan 19 and a half pass completions is is golden. If if you get up big, probably not. I I could see Johnny Wilson fantasy score. Uh, Jordan Travis is probably like, if you think that Ward doesn't go, then Jordan Travis fantasy score is potentially there, especially if you think that he runs some or gets like one rushing touchdown from Jordan is basically going to get it for you. It's assuming just a normal mm-hmm. amount of Production, stuff. Yeah. 
Also, like the one yards play I might hit because of how much stuff underneath Syracuse seems to allow. It's Pittman. Is, is Pittman. Yeah. Pittman's my favorite card here. There's not a whole lot I love uh, as far from a Florida State perspective, but Pittman, if anything, if anything makes the uh, the real ticket, it will probably be this Pittman number. Although Absolutely. one thing to watch with Pittman, I mean, we're only talking about 35 and a half yards. Um, we'll be interested to see as to how much Douglas's return eats away at Pittman's production. That's uh, something. More of those two tight end sets. Uh, something to keep an eye out on. But for now, yeah. I think that's probably the best number that you could choose. The chat wants us to talk about the size of Syracuse's defense, which we can do. Uh, they are definitely undersized. It's not necessarily a terrible thing. Like, they've played good defense this year. They just they've given up some run stuff in recent games. Obviously, I think you'd rather give up the run in the pass in college. Um, all right, so DN, Steve Linton, 219. Jatias Greer, 233. Those are kind of their two DNs. Uh, Kevon Darton, this is a really quick nose guard they have. Uh, He's 266. The backup's 267. And then their DNs, uh, Caleb Ochekwu is 268. So, I, 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 the one kid looks bigger than this to me, so I wonder if it's not a, a bit of a misprint. It's hard for me to think that Syracuse does not have a defensive line and they're too deep who's over 268. But they definitely are not real real big. Now, their linebackers are a little bigger. The wax kid is is like 240. Um but they are undersized. That's yeah, some, for sure. Florida State 2008 type stuff. Oh, remember the, the Bud Thacker? We were doing yeah. this podcast oh, yeah. back then, I think. Yeah. Like the Bud Thacker speed defense. And uh, that was... Uh, I don't think we go all the way back to the Thacker days. If we did, we certainly oh, wouldn't have made it as long as we have. I NSFW, I would have. Sure. Uh, I would have. Uh, do you remember that? Force. I wonder if... like, Do you, do you recall... Uh, does, does College Press Box go back that far? Well, I, I mean, I'm looking my, for like old depth chart. Oh, it does, dude. Well, my lasting memory of Bud Thacker, besides the Georgia Tech defensive plan, which not Bud Thacker's fault, but still like have Bud Thacker jump at Georgia Tech's guards' ankles is uh, one of the most hilarious defensive strategies I've ever heard of when trying to play against a triple option. But the real one, when I was like, oh man, we're in a bad place, is. Uh, do you remember that little pep rally they'd have before the season or whatever? And they never with the players. bench press stuff. And the and he was doing the fake bench, the fake weight bench press. <laughs> oh, oh my God. gosh! I, or oh, it looked like fake weight the way he was throwing uh, it up. It, it, it had was, to be fake, it right? It looked. It looked. Uh, yeah, big big fugazi uh, when it came to came to that. So a All chuckle right. from a, a horrible horrible time long ago. So I found the depth chart from 2008. This is the Virginia Tech game. Do you recall this in Tallahassee, the Vought Tech game? 30 to 20, Knowles win? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm trying. I don't know if I remember the game or not, but we have the game book. If you guys want to go down memory lane here in the chat. We did not have the game book. I do have the depth chart. Okay. Apparently not everything on the internet is archived. Maybe maybe that's a good thing. Is Kendall All Stewart right. your other interior defense lineman? Kendrick Stewart. Kendrick Stewart. Kendrick Stewart. Yes. That is a hell of, hell of memory, man. So Kendrick Stewart, uh, two sixty five, two sixty five. Big thing about him is that he could do a backflip, and that was yeah. uh, you would see that in every message board thread ever. Uh, yeah, this uh, for some of y'all, this is nostalgia and hilarious, and some of y'all, this is what the hell are these guys talking about? But yeah, the- uh, this was a <laughs> undersized defense and a the the leanest of years uh, at the end of the Bowden dinner. One of the problems was this was not quite the full-on spread era in the ACC, and so it really wasn't the best idea to be this this small uh, defensively. But uh, 
we got a lot of haters that year because we said that this defense. So Mickey Andrews, who I absolutely love, had said something like, this will be the fastest defense we've ever had. And we were like, this will probably be the worst defense Mickey Andrews has ever had, like just with all due respect. And it it kind of was, right? The, the, the 09 defense was, uh, yeah, 08 wasn't that bad. It was 09 that, that, we, that we were really, really having problems with, right? Oh nine was just it. Oh nine was it all went haywire. Yeah. yeah, what was the? It was the Boston the Boston College game up there. Remember, that was yeah. the they they went with uh, who the hell was that quarterback for them? He guy could not move, and then he hit like a sixty yard run. Mm, yeah, in, uh, in uh, was it was it Justin Tuggle? Mm, no, no, it doesn't sound right. No, um, that was uh the son of um, Dave Shinsky. That sounds more likely. Justin yeah. Tuggle was the son of Jesse Tuggle, the uh, Falcons That's right. linebacker. Yeah, he, that kid could run. That kid was an athlete. All right. So, um, yeah, you had Kendrick Stewart, 271 by that by this point. Nice. So he gained uh, three pounds. Uh, Everett Dawkins, 258. Shout out, Doc, if you're watching the show. The best. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, 258-pound two, Everett Dawkins is playing D-tackle for Florida State and trying to win ball games. In the ACC, uh, Kevin McNeil, remember him? Two fifty-seven. Here's a real blast from the past. This guy was not as effective as Bill in the preseason. Craig Yarborough, oh, two thirty-six. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Marcus White, who's a guy they got from, was it Independence JUCO in in uh, he went from Kansas. I remember they wore purple. And I remember watching his, his huddle back in the day. It was YouTube. We didn't have huddle. I was like, this actually isn't that bad. Like, he might be able to play. And he was a decent player for them, Marcus White. He was a big hype guy. Yeah, he was fun yeah. defensive end. Absolutely. Uh, and then Brandon Jenkins was a freshman on the team. He was only 240. Jacob McDaniel was playing on that team. He was 267. And um, linebackers, Dakota Watson, mm-hmm. Kendall Smith, Nigel Bradham. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those worked out pretty good. Uh, Jenna Jay at corner. Jamie Robinson, who, hey, popular name, uh, Corey Mangum, mm. and Patrick Robinson. So a real split there. Like you had some guys that would go on to play in the NFL for like <laughs> ten years, and you had some guys who were going sport. pro at something yeah. other than sports. Yeah, the the worst. Uh, oh, yeah. the 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 Prowler. That's right. The Remember prowler. the Prowler? They the prowler. called it the Prowler. The, That's funny. Sometimes you would deploy the prowler even in non-third and long situations, and sometimes you deploy the prowler in like third and eight, and they would just run like run off tackle against you. It was uh, very curious. O line was also a little bit sketchy that year. Uh, Datko, Rodney Hudson, who's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer, mm. he was a junior. He was good. McMahon, Spurlock, and Ronnie Sanderson uh, across the board. So a couple of young guys there that turned out to be okay. It was a fun offense, though. R- R- Richard Goodman, guy played for Aquinas, ended up being uh, being really good for you. Like finally healthy for like one year. One yeah, year the had had the UNC play one of the one of the best best plays of the of the rebuilding year. One of the best half. Wait, of football the, the, for us the bomb, the ninety eight yard bomb. No, that's UNC. Rod Owens. That is Rod Owens. Excuse, you're right. Because this, this right. is yep. this is the the game that Sun Sports catches. James Coley saying before the ball's even thrown, catch the ball, Bo, catch the ball, Bo. Because mm-hmm. you knew he had dropped, like Bo Relifer, because he had dropped it in practice so much. Remember, they ran a little tight end wheel route to the boundary at, at North Carolina? 
and like they they were they had the when Coley was in the box they were filming him and, and he was yeah this is a uh, did Bud just say we had a 236 pound D lineman? Yes, yeah. I don't know if you got if you guys have been around for this long. We're we're kind of showing ourselves as old heads here, but uh, we've been doing this for a while, man. So like we appreciate the ups and the downs, and uh, yeah, there's some scar tissue there for sure. There's some, there's some real scar tissue there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Ty Jones, who good nickname, not really more, not really like a 2022 nickname, more of like a 2007 nickname. But uh, if you know. You know, people are really enjoying this look back. This is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like this team would rebuild and it, it got better. 2009 team was ranked in the preseason. That is true. By the way, fun fact, uh, three of the last five teams to be ranked in the top five preseason to finish unranked were coached by. That Gina. man. Yeah. 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 Three of the last five, like some of the biggest collapses in the history of the sport. They, uh, mm difficult <laughs> AM did lose uh lose a commit from five-star linebacker yeah the, the uh, Hill. yeah we talked about it last episode and they lost another kid uh or looks like they probably will so we'll have to see how that goes yeah it, uh yeah weatherford was in the emerald bowl right out in san fran against ucla that was uh booker's that and the Notre Dame game that Booker had that was so great. Uh, that was his two oh. shining moments. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Uh, who is – oh, if you know, you know Sean Farrell. Yeah, what's going on, Farrell? What's up, Doug? Um, it's part of the Southwest Florida Bourbon Society. If you guys are into bourbon, definitely check out Sean's Bourbon Club. It's, uh, it's pretty dope, and they also do a lot of charitable causes, which is even better. Uh, Kaz Porowski is kind of the last name off of that team uh, – to remember some guys we, we should we should do that just pull up like a random depth chart uh one day or just like a random game maybe in the offseason and remember what our thoughts were on it at the time i cannot believe that team made a bowl game by the way <laughs> i mean that was just the greg greg reed punt return right uh, yeah i was there i was in the in the stadium uh one uh one way that it is better in today's era is that I could have gone to Charlie Park afterwards. I can promise you there was no Charlie Park to be had during that day, uh, and it was a it was a sad, echoey day. It was, I believe it was Mickey Andrews' last game, and uh, Mickey deserved a place like Charlie Park to go to. Uh, anyway, Charlie Park has been fantastic for Bud and I. Charlie Park has been nothing but great for Tallahassee in general. And that we have a world class rooftop bar on the scene. And uh, very much look forward to getting back for the Florida game, bud, and uh, being able to join Charlie Park myself. I wasn't uh, I wasn't submitting your plans uh, by any means, but uh, looking forward to saying hello to all our friends. And as always, we do recommend reservations, particularly on a weekend like that one. Uh, but anytime you're trying, to, whether it be for brunch or Friday night up there, reservations recommended. CharliePartRooftopBar.com. All right, so we did prize picks. We did the preview. We probably need to discuss something that we've not been able to discuss so far this year, and that is where Florida State ranks in the college football playoff rankings. See this? We will get to recruiting as well. For those of you that have uh, waited for two episodes now, I'll just acknowledge that that is coming at this point. But how can you not acknowledge the ever important college football playoff rankings but i know you've uh, they've grown on you over time maybe you weren't originally a fan of them but 
slightly, you've seen more of their their need and the role that they play. Yeah, I, I uh, they've grown on me so much that uh, I didn't didn't even get invited this week to do the cover three uh, uh, playoff reaction <laughs> show. I told him, hey guys, softball's canceled, so I can do it this week. And uh, like, no, we're good. I was like, all right, cool, because I I just think they're all faked. Personally, I, mm-hmm. I think that these I think it's a made for TV product these playoff rankings, and they fake them so that they can say, hey, look, we have a top ten matchup and get better ratings on TV. Like, why was LSU ten last week? In my opinion, conspiracy theorist here, I guess, which I'm not really in other walks of life, but let me have this one. Uh, it's because now you have Bama LSU as a top 10 matchup. Yeah. A couple things like that. I also think it's completely pointless to rank 25 teams, which is an arbitrary number and in no way reflects like the best teams in the sport. And I think the reason why they do it is because they want to justify whatever decisions they make at the top. By rank, like they they reverse engineer. Like, okay, we want to put this team here. Let's take a couple of their opponents and put them up here, so we can say that they have these quality wins, right? You know, that's uh, that's how I think it. Now, Florida State is twenty third in these ESPN college ball playoff rankings. That is the number one, two, three, fourth highest three loss team behind Notre Dame. Kansas State, and Texas. I'm here to tell you Florida State would beat Notre Dame, I think. Even though Notre Dame beat Clemson, Notre Dame also lost at home to a terrible Stanford team, right? I mean, Stanford just lost by 50 at home to Washington State. They also lost to a terrible Marshall team, which has a pretty good chance of missing a bowl at home again. Florida State's losses are all, like, very defendable, right? They they are defensible i mean you lose by a single score at nc state you know wake forest score looks respectable there clemson somewhat respectable score but in any case all those three teams are at least quality football teams you're not out there losing to stanford and you're not losing to marshall for god's sakes if fsu somehow loses to to louisiana next week i will change my opinion on this by the way but but we'll probably just not do the segment because we'll have bigger Bigger fish to fry. I mean, dude, Kansas State, okay, I, I get it. Like, would I have Kansas State favor, favor over the Knolls right now in neutral field? No. I, I would have FSU favored slightly, but it's like a, within a field goal either way. Kind of just matter of opinion. Would Texas be favored over FSU? Yeah. I mean, in most of these power ratings, they're like in the top seven. So they're, they're more than a touchdown favorite this weekend against TCU. But still, like, Look at Illinois' resume against against Florida State. Look at who UCF's actually beaten, right? I, I'm, I don't know. Um, I just think they could be higher based on their resume. We'll just we'll have to see. If Wake beats UNC this weekend, is their favorite to do? If NC State doesn't screw around and lose to Boston College, which they really shouldn't, if Clemson takes care of Louisville, like that's a pretty nice slate of, slate of wins you got, or, or at least quality games you've played, right? Like your losses look a little bit better and the committee doesn't do a very good job of it, mainly because they don't really care, in my opinion, to rank these bottom teams. They just want to rank, the, they just want to create the rankings to justify whatever the hell they want to do at the top. Yeah. I think from a Florida State playoff ranking perspective, if you want to care about such a ranking, then you just need to be an LSU fan and have to ride in the path that forces the SEC media 
to uh, those that are so in love and reflective of the game through the SEC prism, let me put it that way, uh, to acknowledge that you're a pretty good team because of what happened earlier in the year. And uh, that's if you're going to get wrapped up in this and you want to see Florida State rise as high as possible, then the most simplistic part of it is that you just hope that LSU continues to play well and continues to win. So, No doubt about it. Uh, recruiting? Recruiting, man. Yeah. What, it, man. Uh, what's Excited. out there? Fun time. Fun time. Always get, uh, you know, whether it be regardless of when actual signing day is. This, this period of time is always fun because people always have kind of their places sorted out. And then there always seems to be one kind of final wave of decision making and reevaluation and everything else that goes on. And uh, it will be interesting to see how Florida State plays this period and how much of their assets that they have, both from a scholarship perspective and uh, whatever they do outside of uh, the traditional recruiting that they want to put towards high school and how much of that they want dedicated towards roster retention, how much of that they want towards trying to be as competitive as possible with select pieces that find their way into the portal. It'll be a final, very interesting final kind of month here that we get to sit here and watch play out. 100%. Uh, so a couple things here. Uh, Greg A in the chat and a beautiful photo of Greg's family here. If you're watching the YouTube, Greg, really appreciate you watching us. Uh, he writes, I know you guys usually ignore the bowl game, uh, but does getting to tell recruits all offseason, quote, we won 10 games last year, make this year's bowl game bigger than usual? And this is straight out of the book of Ingram, dude. Yep. This is where I do think if there is a small window in which bowl games matter, we are in that window and uh, very much the time now where it won't matter is if Florida state, you know, wins these next uh, this game and then wins the next two games. Look, if they go and lose a bowl game, I don't think you're going to lose a whole ton of momentum or anything else like that. I mean, at that point you've kind of it's just baked crazy. in your result, but it's really more when you're kind of, uh, I don't want to say desperately reaching for something, but when you need that extra last little precinct uh, to come back positive for you, from a uh, political reference perspective. So a lot of conversation in the chat about Baxter, bud. Yeah, let's, let's the start with the running back. To go. Right, so Cedric Baxter, local Orlando kid here. I mean, you know, four or five-star type of back. Like a kid, fsu has been heavily involved with recently. He is a Texas commit. Texas right now, we'll tell you guys, has a truckload of momentum in recruiting. They, uh, they, just, they just beat Kansas State on the road. Um, they are literally the betting favorite to win the big 12 right now, despite the fact they have three losses and TCU has zero. That's probably because Vegas expects them to beat TCU. They're going to the sec. They have a coach who was an NFL coach and also a national championship offensive coordinator. Um, and he's committed there. And realistically, you're not going to beat Texas on money, right? But you might beat Texas on playing time. You might be Texas on locality, regionality, maybe just out recruit, you know, emotions. If you can get it close, like maybe that gives a staff a chance. I, I, uh, people I know feel like FSU has a chance, but they are not imminently predicting a flip from Baxter. Now, great job by Mike Norvell and company to call that game to showcase. Um, man, apparently, apparently we're popular enough tonight. We're getting all the uh, got all, all the, the bots, all the chat bots. Yes, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Um, let right, me uh, so, throw out I'll, real quickly, bud, uh, a yeah. name that if you just want to, if you're one of these people that waits till kind of later in the process that you want to follow, 
I'll throw a name out there, and it has nothing to do with Florida State directly. But, uh, Bud, would you disagree if I were to tell the fan base to have the name Ruben Owens in the back of your head and that that could be a fantastic thing for Florida State, both in the perspective that you might not have to play him as he's still currently committed to Louisville, I believe, but is a five-star running back out of the state of Texas, and uh, Texas is considered uh, Louisville's you know biggest competition, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So Ruben Owens, five-star out of Texas, is committed to Louisville. Obviously, you have the whole um, NIL stuff going on at Louisville. They're doing a really good job with their with their California quarterback connection. Louisville's remaining schedule. At Clemson, host NC State, at Kentucky. There are guys at Louisville, it's pretty well known, who want to hire Jeff Brown. If you finish 0-3, maybe you get an excuse to do that. Uh but I mean, I think Satterfield's done a nice job this year overall, and I, I I wouldn't fire the guy. I think he's a good coach. But it's Louisville going to Louisville, right? They got a little Auburn in them, I guess. They do. Uh, they are a different kind I, of Auburn. I, I want to point this out on Baxter. So we, we said this on the recap show. I think, like, what a great job calling the game to showcase your running backs. I mean, you, you get you gave you gave Benson a bun- bunch of carries. You threw the ball to Benson. He threw the ball to a Philly. Like your backs were involved. However. This was brought up to me today by somebody I was texting with, and they said, hey, I heard your point on Nolcast. Did you happen to catch the stat line for B. John Robinson? B. John Robinson is the best running back in the country. He's built also a little bit like Baxter, and uh, Texas also gives him an opportunity to touch the ball. Ingram, have you seen this stat line? I'm not sure what you're referring to, but please hit me with it. 32 touches. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so that is uh, Texas ran 71 plays. Take out the two kneel downs. They ran 70 plays. Uh, damn near half of the uh, of the plays they ran were Bijan touching or carrying the ball. So Texas is not lacking for a way to show Cedric Baxter, hey, man, if you're as good as, as your star rating says you are, if you work hard enough, you come here, you will touch the ball a lot. Right? Um, thir- <laughs> 32 touches. That's... Yeah. Yeah, that's absurd in a college game, uh, and they do that quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, all right, quarterback wise, Emory Williams, a Miami commit, I think is somebody FSU has a realistic shot with. As you might have seen, not everything is going great with Miami right now. Uh, Jaden Rashada, the other Miami quarterback, I think people saw that some FSU coaching staff members followed him on Twitter. I do not expect him to flip to the Knowles. He flips elsewhere. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I don't have like super inside information on where he's going to go ultimately, but uh, I Florida State can be competitive in the space. They need to be smart competitive. And you've got a kid in Croman Hoke who I feel like we all like a lot. That's probably where you need to be competitive because you may have a fight on your hands there. He's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the best quarterback prospect you've had in five years. So I think he's the reason Chris Parson bounced ultimately among other things, but that night at elite camp, it was like, wait, who's the, who's the senior? Who's the junior? All right. We, we, we kind of, we, we kind of see what's going on here. Uh, Brock Glenn is another guy. They continue to keep tabs on. He's committed to Ohio state. We've covered this quite a few times. There's no real reason not to go to Ohio state. If you go to Ohio state and you don't start still a whole lot of teams out there that would take you. Right. So 
I get it, but opportunity may, may be greater for him in Tallahassee given the, the amount of talent FSU has in the class. Receiver-wise, uh, Jalen Brown, clearly a guy they're still involved with. Uh, he's fast, and uh, he's a quality football player. Micah Mays, Wake Forest commit. We've talked about him for a while on this podcast. He's a guy that I I liked him more than Florida State did, I think, during the recruiting process. But I think they are circling back around a little bit, just keeping tabs, having a nice year. So potentially, uh, offensive line-wise, I think it's mainly right now your offensive tackle from Key West, who has some versatility and the schools are starting start to wake up that he's he's a good football player. Uh, maybe you're able to take somebody else from Miami out of their class if things really do go south. You know, that's uh, something to look for. D-line, I think they are mostly done on, on the high school D-line-wise. We'll see if anything late emerges there. Backer, I feel like they are probably done, just depending on what where to shake out. And then secondary, uh, you know, Damari Brown, obviously, is, is somebody they like an awful lot. And then the Chaminade kid as well, you know. So... I, like if you could close with that, I think they'd be extremely happy. And then you'd still have maybe 10 or 11 portal spots. And then you're going to have to have the question, like how big is the haircut of the roster? You all, you all love everybody until you need spots. And then you're going to need some spots. It's just kind of the nature of the business now. And I, I don't say business as an accident. Like this is a business. So, um, yeah, man, that's kind of what we're, we're looking at recruiting wise. Right now, Florida State sits, what, just outside the top 15. You are not going to see a ton of momentum from uh, from this year in this recruiting class. We've said this all offseason, right? You like Recruiting now, as far as season momentum, is mostly based on what you did the prior year. You entered this year with a big deficit. You entered this year with kids thinking Mike Norvell and them are getting fired yeah. because other staffs were telling them that they were. And now it's very clear Mike Norvell is not going to get fired. And we said this all off season, right? Go back to the video. Mike Norvell is not getting fired. That's like literally what we titled it, right? I mean, like it was okay. We, we debated like, what do they go six and six? What do they go five and seven? I think we basically said like three and nine, disaster type thing. Sure, like then you have to for momentum and you know just perception. But yeah, I, I feel uh, feel pretty good where things are. I think they're going to be an attractive place for twenty four. They have a very winnable schedule in 24 that there's a chance that they start out hot. They do start out with LSU, so something to look for, but that's a challenge. Part of it's going to be, like, do you get Jordan back, right? And if not, do you like your internal options or do you go portal? Uh, when I say things really go south in Miami, what does that mean? I mean, look, Miami's going to have Ruiz for sure, but I don't know... I don't know what other Miami donors are going to look like on the NIL thing. Is Ruiz going to be the guy that does every NIL deal? Are they still going to be getting these other folks who were helping them out in the offseason when it was cool to do? Or do those guys kind of back off because the stadium's empty and you play like five neutral site games a year and uh, you're not a very good team? I don't know. My guess is that Mario will get buy-in for longer than, than FSU fans expect because I don't think he would have come to Miami if that wasn't the case. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I could see things. How much better is Miami going to be next year? A lot of that's going to be how do, how do they do in the portal? 
I would think. Or, I mean, how do they develop that internal talent? Does does Brown or Garcia to you look like they're going to take a massive jump right now? Good luck. Not under yeah. that coaching staff. No. No. Uh, do we want to review the Louisville game? Or not Louisville, a uh, Louisiana game for tonight. That is your remaining opponent. Uh, I think we can. We're we're they're playing right now. Oh, okay. They are smoking Georgia Southern. Mm. Uh, thirty to seven, and they are about to score again. So, again, a team that. Uh, well, I guess I can just look and tell you what the line will be according to my projections here. What do I call that? I call that week 12, I guess, because we had the week zero this year. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I have Florida State as an 18 point favorite in that game and win probability of 92. Probably will not adjust that that much week to week. There we go. We can do that. Yeah. I mean, that that's a. Uh, they are an upper tier Sun Belt team, but not a great team. So, all right, really appreciate everybody joining us. I- Igor does want to call it a night, man. We uh, nine nine fifty three. <laughs> no, man, this is Thursdays uh, are my super long day. I just I, I'm very caffeinated on Thursdays, as you might tell. It's like up, up at five, and uh, always enjoy it. And I've got the uh, instant this weekend. And hey, let's hope hey, you go up there and get a win. That'd be massive. Be a massive uh, benchmark to have hit and be cause for celebration. And maybe we can come back, get a little Louisiana. We'll go from there. So, no doubt. Awesome, man. Enjoyed it. Uh, we have any sponsor reads we didn't do? I believe we hit everybody. Thank you to uh, have any chat questions that we didn't. Oh, we need to have a score prediction for Syracuse. Yeah, that's probably a good like a new preview and prediction. We should, we should probably do. That. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, what What do you got? I'll let you lead off here this time. Sure. Uh, I am going FSU thirty one twenty. Thirty three to seventeen. Okay. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of in in that range. Um, if you score forty, we're really impressed. If you hold them under under 14 i think you're pretty impressed too so all right drop you guys prediction in the chat maybe uh, if somebody gets it exactly right we will uh you know we'll probably won't give you anything we'll just shout out to uh to what's the name who won the helmet by the way you saw yeah that, that was awesome that was Tremendous. awesome didn't even know. know they had that so was that perry i think fantastic it was? yeah i think it was perry awesome. great that they were able to secure uh Secure Trey Benson early on in the process on multiple projects. All right. So let's uh, let's call it a night. All right, y'all. We'll see you guys in the instant. Appreciate it. Thank you as always. Peace, y'all.